Yo, Brian Saf back once again for another episode of the Talk and Play Blurred Cast. Thank you so much for tuning in once again to hear me blurred out about whatever it is I'm interested in at the moment. Today's episode, um, we got some things in the headlines. Uh, Joe Biden doing stuff. Some people going to jail. And a few other things. We'll get into the headlines right after the intro, though, so don't need to explain that very much. Game chat, uh, some release dates have been announced for video games we're looking forward to. Mm, some PlayStation news, Nintendo news, Xbox news kind of packed out in the game chat, but good news there. So <laughs> that'll be fun to talk about. The playlist, music, obviously new. NLE Chopper got some new shit out that I was fucking with. Uh, Money Long, the new Cochise album, uh, Brent Fias' new project, some music video reviews. The playlist should be fun. Obviously, we're going to be hearing music throughout the episode from the playlist, so make sure you keep your ears tuned in for those transitions into the next segments so that you can hear whatever it is I've been listening to lately. And in the watch list... A few things. The uh, trailer for Rap Shit finally came out. Issa Rae's new project on HBO Max. I'm excited for that. We'll talk about it. Um, Heart to Heart um, interview. Kevin Hart interviews Jay-Z. We'll talk about that. That was dope. Love and Thunder. I got a chance to go see it. Review coming. As well as The Boys. And the final episode of Miss Marvel. So packed episode you know what i'm saying but we got a lot of fun shit to talk about hopefully it's not too long but either way you're here you're tuned in i appreciate you so let's play this uh intro music real quick and then we'll go ahead and jump into these headlines starting with like i said joe Biden had some very um interesting news for us over the past, I don't know, week or so, whenever it was, I dropped the last episode for the Blurcast. Um, he signed an executive order protecting abortion rights and reproductive health care and says that he will veto any national bans that Congress may attempt to pass during his presidency. The signing of this executive order means that essentially access to abortions and medical abortions because you know there's a difference one is you know i just don't want to have the baby another one is i have to have this abortion because either the baby will kill me or the baby died or whatever the case might be a little morbid but those things are protected underneath this executive order um the right to emergency medical care is protected the privacy and sensitive health information i don't know if you guys are paying attention but recently things like the flow app and other period tracking apps or whatever for women have come under scrutiny or not necessarily scrutiny but there's been a surgence of like fear because underneath these like abortion bans and things the information that those particular period tracking apps house could be used to like target women for specific things dealing with their sexual health and wellness which obviously is a huge huge 
invasion of privacy is information that, of course, women and other people who have periods would want to protect. But because our world is crazy, or at least <laughs> uh, the U.S. is crazy, like we got a lot of shit going on here that threatens all of that. So Biden signed an executive order to protect those things. Access to contraceptives, that is birth control for women, that is condoms for men. Um, the female condoms probably somewhere underneath that umbrella as well. Like everything that you would need in order to not get pregnant or not conceive is protected under this executive order. Also, providers and their clinics are protected. So any like abortion clinics or just clinics in general that cater to sexual health and wellness they're protected under this executive order from anything that could come as far as the roe v wade thing being overturned and whatever else congress got up their sleeve to try to like fuck us over as people you know they working biden said you know not on my watch <laughs> as well as access to accurate information there's going to be a lot of information coming out that's going to be misleading a bunch of stuff that is going to try to skew your opinions away from, you know, being OK with abortion or even even in the opposite direction of not being OK with abortion. Like there's things coming out, a bunch of lies, a bunch of fake news, as the Donald would <laughs> call it, that are dangerous to us as a, a society because we need to know what's going on. Like for, for the facts with this kind of shit and all the fake news. All of that shit, this executive order will kind of help weed some of that stuff out. Not necessarily sure in what ways, but these are just the things that are protected underneath this executive order, which is dope because, you know, what I'm saying for a long time, we've been watching the Democrats just kind of sit back and let shit happen. Talking about they can't believe Congress did this and we would have never thought that this would happen or whatever the case might be. Well, the motherfuckers made this shit happen. I'm glad that Democrats are finally saying, OK, well, they wasn't playing. So now we need to put some things in place to protect our people because, you know, the country deserves protecting. If Congress is not going to do it, if they're going to sit up here and pass all of these crazy laws and allow things to happen that jeopardize our health and well-being, then obviously we would expect our president to step in. He did that. So I'm at least appreciative, even though Democrats have been disappointing <laughs> this entire Joe Biden presidency. AOC came out not too long ago after the whole Roe v. Wade thing was announced. And she laid out very, very clear plans on what Democrats could do in order to fight back or whatever the case might be. I wonder if uh, Joe Byron and Mrs. Kamala Harris have decided to implement this executive order because they saw that she was right. And those are things that you could do to help protect Americans. Just something that's going through my brain because when AOC decides that she wants to run, I'm definitely putting my vote behind her because that woman understands things about progression and just, I don't know. She's just a good centerpiece for American ideology and just things that we as a country are supposed to be valuing and upholding based on the right or the fact that this land is supposed to be for the home of the brave and, you know, have this American dream attached to it where we can do anything like AOC. She, she's 
at least appears to me at this point that she's like really for the people. She's very smart. She always comes up with creative ways and very um, concise and unapologetically straightforward ways to handle certain things that our people that we've voted in as our elected officials or whatever just don't seem to grasp. She's younger. She's, you know what I'm saying? Just an amazing person. If you're not following AOC, I think you should at least... um, head over to her Instagram or Twitter or whatever and see what she all about her talking points and things. Plus she is a gamer like us. I've checked out her Twitch streams many a times. She's not on there just talking politics. She's actually playing games with us and is very knowledgeable of gaming culture and stuff like that. So that's always a bonus to have somebody (laughs) that at least understands the world in a similar way that you do trying to make the world a better place that's dope but outside of all of that joe byron also awarded simone biles a presidential medal of freedom for being the most decorated gymnast in american history that's a big big deal simone biles is not even 30 yet i don't even think she's 25 she might be but i know she's not 30 (laughs) um but yeah she's like 25 years old she done received like a ton of um gymnastics like awards and not just like oh you know a bronze here silver like she got goals like a bunch of gold medals and um this awarding of the presidential medal of freedom makes her the youngest person in history to receive one so a shout out to simone biles denzel washington was also awarded one but unfortunately he has covid at the moment he couldn't you know go up there to accept his presidential medal of freedom um but joe byron and miss vp have said that they are going to honor him publicly at a later date so we're waiting on that because you know denzel means a lot to entertainment and just black culture specifically so we definitely want to see him in the right way get his presidential medal of freedom because that's a big deal and shout out to joe byron i keep saying joe byron (laughs) shout out to biden and his whole administrative team or whatever for recognizing two incredibly talented black people and making sure that they are forever immortalized in american history by receiving this presidential medal of freedom in less entertaining or positive news, but also very much welcome news, um, Derek Chauvin, you know, the white man that murdered George Floyd, he's been sentenced to 21 years in prison. Don't really have much more for that. Y'all seen the video. Y'all know what he did. Y'all understand George Floyd is no longer alive because of this man. Black Lives Matter protests, riots, or, you know, whatever they want to call him anyway. All that shit happened. Well, 21 years. Don't think that is enough, but it's something. Rot in jail. Next subject. R. Kelly ass has also been sentenced to 30 years for nine counts of racketeering and sex trafficking by a New York jury. Now, just so we are on the same page, this is not the end for R. Kelly. He received them 30 years, but he also has at least two other trials pending at the moment he still has a trial that is supposed to start in august for child pornography and obstruction that he faces in illinois i think that's going to be like held in chicago as a matter of fact so we'll see how that turns out because you know 
That's like R. Kelly's little stomping ground. So we'll see how that plays out. But got that case there. And he also still has a trial looming in Minnesota for two counts of prostitution with a person that is under the age of 18. So if everything works out the way it should, R. Kelly is probably going to be underneath the jail and we'll never see him again as far as freedom is concerned until his funeral in which we probably won't see that or care about it either just happy to get two monsters off the street i understand the cultural relevance and importance that r kelly has but don't care (laughs) i've been off r kelly for quite some time because i'm disgusted by all of these allegations and all these things that he's done to women boys and little girls like it's too much I'm ready to just let it go. I've been stop stepping in the name of love. I still believe I could fly, but not by R. Kelly standards. Like <laughs> we're good over here. He's fine. He hasn't made anything that has caught my attention musically in several years. So it is what it is. I'm okay to let the monster die in his jail cell. Moving along, a quick message to whoever it may concern. The 4th of July is over. I don't know why we're still or not i ain't gonna say weird because i'm not doing anything of the sort i don't know why you guys are still shooting fireworks and it's weird because like these things are happening in the daytime where you can barely see the fireworks like blow up like what's the point of still launching off all of these rockets making all this noise just disturbing people just to do it? i don't get it it's weird i know this happens like every year but i really really would like for it to stop the 4th of July is dead and gone and we are on to other things as far as the calendar is concerned. Like catch up, let that shit go. I don't know why you niggas decided, oh my goodness, the fireworks, they 75% off now that 4th of July is gone. Let's run down there and spend a little bit of money we have left in this looming recession and buy all of these fireworks and keep shooting them every fucking day until we run out like what's the purpose i'm ready for it to end (laughs) please and thank you that is it for the headlines in this episode let's go ahead and play some music real quick while we transition over to the game chat game chat this particular episode got some some stuff to talk about so let's just go ahead and jump in for spoken this is a game that i have been waiting on since i saw the trailer what last year something like that it's been a while since this game was announced and we got to see anything as far as revealed trailers are concerned well unfortunately because we was expecting the game this year but it's being delayed to january 2023 now the expected release for the game was like holiday season 2022 so that's anywhere from like late october to christmas time but they pushing it back to january i don't know what the extra time is going to do but if it means continuing to work on the game to make sure it's perfect and when it comes out we won't have any issues or whatever i'm fine with that i just want to play the game and i want to enjoy it at its completion and entirety so if you need you know extra a couple weeks or whatever the case might be 
do your thing. Just don't keep pushing it back because I want this game. <laughs> but yeah, Forspoken has been delayed to January 2023. More on that when more information arises. God of War Ragnarok, on the other hand, has received its release date November 9th. That is not too far away. We sitting up in July right now. November 9th is not necessarily right around the corner, but I can see it from down the block. <laughs> so I'm ready for that. I'm currently playing the God of War that precedes Ragnarok. Saying it that way, because as you know, or as you should know, God of War has a franchise already that spans like four or five games between PlayStation 2, 3 and PSP. This apparent or obvious reboot to the franchise or whatever will make Ragnarok the second entry in the reboot saga, the reboot segment of the franchise. November 9th. It's coming. I'm excited. I'm playing the first one. Uh, I think I'm about... I'm anywhere from 15 to 25% done with the game. Still very early, but I'm really enjoying it. It's really, really good. I've talked about it on here before. Um, currently, because I do share my progress with you guys with these games. Currently, I am on this little island or whatever that came up out of the sea once the world snake kind of appeared and unwrapped itself a little bit so the water levels can go down i don't remember the name of this island but fun game great game i'm enjoying it if you played the game before then you know what i'm talking about as soon as i mention the world snake y'all can tell me what that means as far as my percentage of completion for the game but i'm enjoying the game i play it not every day, but like, you know, I put some time in on it from time to time out throughout my week. So more on that once I complete more of the game. Nintendo has revealed that Bayonetta 3 will release on October 28th of 2022. That's this year, obviously. Also, very, very dope game. It's crazy, though, because I've never played a Bayonetta game, but I'm excited for Bayonetta 3. <laughs> like, I don't understand how this could be possible but i do know that since the reveal or the release date has been revealed or whatever bayonetta is going to go through some changes price wise so i'm probably going to cop the first two i think there's a bundle out somewhere that i could like play both or whatever just to prepare for three because i want to get three the reveal trailer for the release date like it was a whole gameplay trailer as well the story looks like it's dope the gameplay obviously looks dope or whatever. It's very, very kin to Devil May Cry as far as the gameplay is concerned. I love Devil May Cry. I've played tons of those games out of that franchise. So definitely going to check out Bayonetta 3 when I get the opportunity to and make sure I beat it. Maybe get it for a Christmas gift. Who knows? <laughs> but dope. And more Nintendo news since we on Nintendo. Um, they have acquired animation studio Dynamo Pictures, which they will be renaming it Nintendo's Pictures. But this is dope news for me because this means that Nintendo is being very, very intentional about creating movies and television series um, using the Nintendo IP. Just a little like back information on Dynamo Pictures. They are a Tokyo studio known for their work on Persona 5, Death Stranding, Ghost in a Shell, as well as the Pikmin short films that you can find, I think on YouTube. Either way, they have a history of doing 
things with the games as far as Nintendo is concerned. So Nintendo was like, you know what? Let me go ahead buy y'all real quick. In the press release from Nintendo, they said that the new subsidiary will focus on developing visual content, including CG content using Nintendo's IP. So again, clearly Nintendo wants to get into the movie and TV series game. And this is going to be dope because I don't know if you guys remember, but we already have the Mario movie coming out starring Chris Pratt. It's already in development. You know, we've been complaining because we don't necessarily see Chris Pratt as Mario. We were critical of, you know, certain CGI with other certain um, movies like Sonic. I know that's not Nintendo, but still, we... <laughs> We was critical on that shit. They changed it. They got their shit together. But um, yeah, I think <laughs> Nintendo is quite serious about making films and television. So they said, you know what? Let's go ahead and buy a studio that has done great work with us prior to this announcement. And um, go ahead and step our feet all the way in. Stop dipping our toe in. Let's jump in. So I'm excited for this. Uh probably gonna see the mario movie just because you know gamer or whatever and i don't mind chris pratt i don't see him as mario either but you know movie magic and shit like that they can definitely <laughs> they can definitely do things to make that more of a viable option as far as casting is concerned so i'm excited obviously nintendo has a ton of ip but they focused you know on their bread and butter which is fine because that means Pokemon movies and TV series, which Pokemon has created an incredible series that's only on YouTube at this point, I believe. But um, Nintendo getting behind that, maybe could turn it into something else. And what else? Zelda. That is a perfect IP for television and film adaptation. I could see Donkey Kong making a resurgence underneath this uh, new endeavor into uh, TV and film. Um, I'm really, really a big fan of the Fire Emblem franchise. All of those games have amazing stories that could be turned into television series. You know, if uh, Nintendo wants to get on their Game of Thrones shit, like Fire Emblem, it's a perfect IP to do that too. So there's a lot of promise there. I'm excited about it. Moving on to some PlayStation news. PlayStation announces a new rewards program entitled PlayStation Stars. This program, obviously, or not obviously, but it will be free to join. It is not unlike the Xbox Microsoft kind of rewards program that they have for their players or the Nintendo rewards program that they have for us as well. But this one in particular just gears itself more towards things that already take place in the PlayStation ecosystem that are not necessarily highlighted in a way that entices players, right? So PlayStation stars will reward players with free digital goodies for completing various campaigns and activities like simply playing a game or participating in tournaments, which I don't know if you guys play or pay attention to your PlayStation calendars or whatever, but like apex does it all the time like they'll launch these like tournaments or whatever that give you some kind of incentive to play apex you know maybe a free skin or something like that well playstation is also going to be giving you incentives for joining those tournaments as well or just getting certain game trophies y'all know we have a pretty dope trophy system 
on the PlayStation or whatever, it is no longer just going to be like a bragging rights kind of thing. Like, oh, I platinum this game or I got all of these, you know, rare trophies or whatever the case might be. Like you're actually going to receive tangible rewards for getting those trophies. According to the information I found about PlayStation Stars, the rewards can be anything from a rare PlayStation theme all the way to like loyalty points, which can be used as currency in the PlayStation Store, which is why I said it's not unlike what you see on Xbox or um, Switch or whatever the case might be. So it's dope that PlayStation is finally getting something like that, because that means just by playing certain games like, I don't know example playstation plus they give us these three to four free games every month i'm pretty sure if you download and play whichever one of those games they specified then they will give you like these little playstation star reward tokens or whatever the case might be and you can go into the playstation store and use them to buy whatever it is you want to buy or get discounts on certain things like it's a dope feature in my opinion <laughs> and i'm happy that it's coming to the PlayStation. When PlayStation Stars drops, I'm signing up immediately. Of course, it's gonna make me wanna game more. I think that's the purpose of it. <laughs> so when a new game drops, you spend your $60 or whatever to download it to your PlayStation library and play it, you're gonna get some reports back for that, some kind of tokens or whatever. So really dope. I'm really, really, really <laughs> excited for this. Can't wait for it to drop because incentive programs like this keep gamers sharp, keep us on our toes, keep us in the ecosystem on a consistent basis playing these games. And I'm really, really happy that PlayStation is like, you know what? They should get things for collecting these trophies other than just being able to say they collect these trophies or signing up for these tournaments and actually playing the games should do something it shouldn't just be a sign up page <laughs> like i'm really really glad that they have taken notice to the fact that certain aspects and features that are actually dope on the playstation system don't really have any incentive to them and now are going to via playstation stars so more information on that when more information is shared Basically, we're just waiting on Sony to come on out and confirm it and give us a release date and everything so we can sign up. And I will bring that straight to you guys via the Talk of Play Blurcast whenever that happens. Also, if you just, you know, pay attention to the Nerds Rule the World YouTube channel, look out for those checkpoint um, videos, the NRW checkpoint that is. That is my other show that I'm a part of with my homie Webster Style. We talk about all this kind of gaming news and stuff as well as the new releases for the gaming week. If you pay attention to that, I'm pretty sure we'll mention it on there as well. Speaking of incentive programs, though, which is why this PlayStation Stars program is dope. Xbox and their <laughs> Microsoft Awards program is giving away 4,000 Microsoft Rewards points if you spend at least $40 in their ultimate game sale happening right now. So if you are an Xbox owner or a part of the Xbox Microsoft ecosystem in a way that allows you to take part in this uh, Microsoft Rewards program, log on to whatever Xbox or Microsoft store you need to in order to buy these games. Look for the ultimate game sale that's happening now. It will end in July 31st. Spend like $40. Don't necessarily know what that equates to in other regions of the world, but 
US dollars, if you spend 40 of them in the ultimate game sale, Microsoft is giving you 4,000 Microsoft rewards points. I believe that totals out to $40. I'm not sure, <laughs> but it totals out to something that you can spend to buy more games or whatever the case might be. So you have until July 31st right now. Don't know when you listening to this particular episode of the blurred cast or whatever, but if it is before July 31st, 2022, and you are part of the Xbox Microsoft ecosystem, go spend $40 on the ultimate game sale and get your free 4,000 points and spend that however you please. Outside of that, got some cool trailer news that I'm like really <laughs> excited about. Um, when I was doing the last episode or recording the last episode for the NRW checkpoint, Webster Style and myself, along with Kuya P, who is the NRW leader, <laughs> he decided that we should react to Skull and Bones, which I had heard of, you know what I'm saying, going into the reaction or whatever, but we decided to check out, you know, the trailer and some gameplay footage or whatever, and the game looks fucking dope. Go to the uh, NRW or Nerds Rule the World YouTube channel right now to check out the reaction for that if it is posted and you will have all of my thoughts and opinions on the game but in short i'm fucking with it and i'm most likely going to get this game when it comes out because everything that you can do in this game looks amazing as far as being a pirate and having your own ship and crewmen and sailing from island to island doing these quests to find different things and all these dungeon raids like the game looks dope it's a very very i don't know unique not necessarily because there's a genre of gaming that specifically is related or deals with you know pirates and the whole ship on the sea life just didn't know about it that much but I think this will be my entry into that particular niche genre and I'm excited for it because the game looks fucking dope. Also, Kirby Dream Buffet was announced. I'm also interested in that game. It's pretty much Nintendo's own like Fall Guys-esque kind of game, you know, a party game or whatever the case might be, but starring Kirby. It looks fun. I'm very interested in playing it. Like I said, Kirby is one of the Nintendo IP that, you know, continues to reinvent itself and continues to put out quality games. I think this party game will be no different when it drops. I'm going to get it and play it and give you guys my opinion on as well as Skull and Bones when that comes out. Also, we have DLC, the first DLC for the Demon Slayer game. This is the Tengen pack. I'm really <laughs> excited for it. Laughing because I don't own Demon Slayer game. I haven't played this fighting game. I've seen it being played, but I've never played this game. Always been interested in playing. Just haven't gotten around to it quite yet. <laughs> but I'm excited for this particular DLC because Tengen is one of my favorite characters. He's just become somebody that I really, really fuck with his morals his lifestyle, everything about his fighting style, like Tengen is a really, really dope character. So I'm excited to see him come to the game. This is going to be the character that makes me like say, you know, what? I need to buckle down and buy this game because it's on your purchase list and you just haven't clicked by yet. So 
Tengen dropping in the game. I'm definitely going to buy it. This expansion pack or DLC also includes um, Academy costumes for select Demon Core characters, a new tournament game mode that will go live in the near future, as well as a roadmap of sorts of the next characters that will be added to Demon Slayer via this Tengen DLC meaning that the demons from the entertainment district arc which is Tengen's like initial introductionary arc into Demon Slayer the demons from that arc will appear in the game later on as well as the alternate versions of Tanjiro in the gang Nezuko we're gonna get her demon form and shit like that so the Tengen pack if you are a demon slayer player you need to have this shit because the character selection is about to get real now and like I said this DLC in particular is really gonna make me buy the game I'm like as soon as I finish recording this I'm going to the PlayStation store to see what I need to do because I want to play as Tengen <laughs> and I also want these other characters and just to get immersed in the game like the game looks great it's a fighting game not unlike what you would see with like naruto ninja storm and shit like that like there's a story mode that you can run around this open world village and kind of explore and take on missions and all kind of shit like that it's a fun fighting game it's not unlike what you used to from shonen jump you know fighting games or whatever but it's Demon Slayer, and I love the characters on Demon Slayer. I love the story. The anime is amazing. Yes, I only watch in dub. I don't care if you have opinions about that because, oh, sub is supposed to be whatever the fuck. I don't care. I like dub. I like to hear my characters speak in a language that I can completely understand, even though I don't have an issue with reading subtitles and, you know, picking up on Japanese slang and, you know, dialect and language and stuff like that. It's just easier for me to digest and pay attention to the action just by watching the dub version. I don't mind waiting either. I know they come out later than the sub versions, but I don't care. <laughs> it is what it is. Ready for that DLC when it drops. Gameplay trailer, Multiverses. I don't know if y'all seen it yet, but Multiverses has released their gameplay trailer and might i say this shit is going to be lit i cannot wait to play it it's gonna be free to play so i don't have to spend any money i could just download it as soon as it drops it's gonna be cross play as well which means i could have a version of it on my switch and still be able to play whenever i'm traveling like it's gonna be dope for those of you who are not yet familiar with multiverses it's pretty much warner brothers answer to the long story smash brothers franchise like it's pretty much smash brothers <laughs> but with warner Bro brother properties and licenses like that's just what it is but i'm excited because based on the gameplay trailer it has characters from multiple wb properties not just what you would expect like bugs bunny and shit like that like there's cartoon network characters in here because you know warner brother and cartoon network have that you know partnership where warner brother owns them i'm not sure how the logistics work out but i've seen steven universe characters in there um dc characters so batman superman green lantern i've seen fucking uh, wonder woman in there that shit was dope um, Iron Giant, which I didn't even know was <laughs> a WB property. The Iron Giant is also in the game. They even have 
Arya Stark from motherfucking Game of Thrones, which I knew WB and HBO had a partnership, but I didn't know it was this strong to license a Game of Thrones character into multiverses. This shit looked dope. I'm excited for it. I saw Tom and Jerry in there, Scooby-Doo. Like the roster already is very, very star studded and pretty much one that entices me <laughs> to play it as soon as I can get my hands on it. It looks like at this point, the game modes at launch will be 1v1 duos, which is you and a teammate going against somebody else and their teammate and free for all, which will be <laughs> a brawl like no other. Because I think I saw like six players on the screen all trying to knock each other off <laughs> the edge of the map. Like the game like is going to be fun and I'm ready for it because smash brothers even though i have a nintendo switch it was one of those games that i've always wanted to play but just felt like the franchise has been going on for so long that i will be lost if i try to get into it now but still i'm gonna play it because i fuck with smash brothers and the entire nintendo ip that they have in there so i'm still gonna get that game but i'm definitely really excited for multiverses especially because i could just load it up on my playstation and whoop ass <laughs> playing with all my playstation controllers i seen in the gameplay trailer that they're going to have some really cool customizations you can add to the characters as well as unlockables like of course skins and emotes but also character variants so if there's like for example they have the white green lantern in there one of the character variants for the white green lantern is obviously john stewart which is the black green lantern so they'll probably have both green lanterns in the game like stuff like that there's wonder woman in the game so they'll probably have nubia in the game as well which is for lack of better description the black wonder woman like i'm excited for all of this kind of shit like it looks dope open beta starts for this game on july 26th i do not know if you need to sign up for anything i was trying to check and search and see only thing i was led to was to sign up for a warner brothers games account or whatever which i just went ahead and did just in case i need to have one in order to access the beta on july 26th when it drops but as far as that or as far as i'm concerned there is nothing special that you need to do to access the beta just be aware of when it comes out so you can download it if i'm wrong i'll let you guys know on a future blurry cast but that is it for game chat on this particular blurry cast let's jam real quick while we head over into the playlist and deep dive into all the music that i've been listening to since the last blurry cast we was living fast as fuck Girls don't get me high enough All these people always lying or something I'm sorry, I'm so fly, so what? Fuck, I'ma be sorry for I was town zeros I'm a hometown hero, niggas Starting with NLE Chopper Now, I fuck with this guy's music I'm not like a super fan, but if I hear something catchy from him, I'll fuck with it. I keep up with his social medias or whatever to see if he's dropping something I'm interested in. I might pop out to a show whenever he's around because at this point, <laughs> at least for the most part, I've been enjoying a solid amount of his music. At least enough to, you know, go see him in concert if it's not no crazy ticket prices. But outside of that he dropped a new single over the last week or so entitled in the uk it's him on the uk drill beat 
he slides that shit. It was really, really dope hearing him on a UK drill record because this is not normally the sound of music that he makes. Like he's not a drill artist. He doesn't <laughs> doesn't come from the UK. He's American. So for him to go over to the UK, get a dope drill beat, kill that shit. I was like, oh, this is hard or whatever. So NLE Chopper in the UK. You know your mess not hot. How you gonna run from a dot dot dot? Spin a block at three o'clock. I'ma link him until he drop. No op can't get no love. He's not my kind. He's not my bro. High as a kite, never sober. Back up, back up before you get poked up. And they leave Jamie Oliver. She ain't sweet. I ain't never do no trick or treats. Leave a nigga body wrapped up in the sheets. Fire record. I fuck with that. Uh, Money long. She also put out a EP not too long ago. It's actually like a follow up EP saying that because the first ep that she dropped which included you know hours and hours which you know the song that blew her up on uh, that ep was called public displays of affection this new ep is called public displays of affection 2 the ep is dope it's a nice little quick it was like 15 to 20 minute listen or whatever i don't even think it was that long might have been anywhere from like 10 to 15 minutes really dope five tracks on there um my favorite of the five tracks is crack <laughs> which has like a melodic sample of 112's cupid and i also like the song another those two out of the five like all five are dope but for the sake of you know just giving the project a simplified review i really really fuck with crack and another <laughs> that sound <laughs> That sound wild. So I fuck with crack. Not that kind of crack. Not that kind of crack either. I'm talking about the song title. What she talking about her vagina is crack, which <laughs> it's a vibe. So I'm really fucking with it. Shout out to Money Long. That EP, like I said, public displays of affection too. Definitely recommend you checking out crack and another along with the other three songs that are on the project. <laughs> also, Cochise, he dropped an album. The album is titled The Inspection. I really fuck with this album as well. It's really dope. Definitely a lot of summertime turn up rage music on here. The beats are fire. I could definitely hear this music like going up crazy at a festival. You know, we're in festival season right now. I checked to see if he was going to be at Rolling Loud Miami because I'm going to be at Rolling Loud Miami. But I didn't see his name unless I glanced over it because he was like one of the smaller fonts. Not sure, but hopefully because I want to turn up to this shit at the festival with all his other fans. I fuck with the project. I fuck with him as an artist. You can low key tell he's a blurred like he has a song in there called Mega Man and in lyrics for other songs like he makes references to like Batman and shit like that I could tell that <laughs> he is like myself a black nerd I even seen some footage of him gaming on YouTube just randomly like some footage popped up of him playing Fall Guys or whatever so I fuck with that on the project he features Chief Keith, which we haven't heard much from him in a long time, but I like his contribution to this project. Um, Young Nudie, Sam Wise, Blaze YL, and Mally. All the songs on here are like fun, simple, repetitive, catchy songs. Not necessarily the most lyrically impressive or whatever the case might be, but like I said, this is festival music, it's turn up music, it's rager, mosh pit, 
music. <laughs> so I don't expect it to be like Kendrick Lamar caliber, J. Cole caliber type lyricism. I expect it. What I got from it and what I got from it, I was fucking with. The album is sequenced really well because all of these songs are simple enough to just create a dope track list based on the beats and, you know, subject matter and shit like that. So, like I said, fucking with the project. He kind of reminds me of like Playboy Cardi and Lil Uzi Vert. I would have actually liked to hear both of them on this project, but Cochise is like a newer artist in that space so he might not have worked his way up in the <laughs> musical social ranks or whatever the fuck to get a playboy cardi or uzi vert on his album but maybe in the future i just know that their styles of music all favor each other but they're all different and distinct at the same time with coaches being different in himself with his like voice changes and inflections and lack of emo songs like he don't really have too many emo depressing like oh i want to die and murder 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 and somebody killed this person and this bitch playing with my heart like he don't really have most of those like it's all turn up music you know celebratory it's typical rap nigga shit like it's a more upbeat positive side of this kind of mumble rappy culture that's happening in music right now i fuck with it my only criticism of it if it is even a criticism based on the way i just explained this project he sticks to the same flow most of the songs hopefully next project we'll see him start to expand his sound and his flow and his lyrical ability but like i said this project is not necessarily meant to be like that just based on my opinion i feel like he knocked it out of the park for the style of music he likes to create but this is album number two of sounded like this so at some point i am expecting him to grow a little bit even though it doesn't have to be like significant just you know maybe not the same flow every song or just something different but there's enough difference in the sound of this music or whatever for me to enjoy the full project like not every song sounds the same but they obviously favor each other which is why they're on this project together my favorite songs off of this album as of now because i've been riding around to it like consistently gaming to it everything like i fuck with the project mr professor double it up uh i really like double it up double it up is probably my favorite off of the album nice featuring young nudie is also a good one i really like don't run as well featuring sam wise blaze yl and mally um jet flex is another one that's really good as well as turn it up i've actually featured turn it up on a previous blurry cast so you've heard his music before on here he has a video for jet flex it's quirky and fun <laughs> Which, like I said, he kind of got blurred energy with him. So I feel like he's on that wave. <laughs> There's a jet and he's on it with his friends. And then they crash on this mountainside forest. And, and we just see Cochise running around, turning up in this forest and trying to, I guess, hunt or chase this man that's in a gorilla suit. I don't know. <laughs> you can clearly tell it's not a real gorilla. It is just somebody dressed up as a gorilla. It's meant to be not super serious or whatever so i really fuck with it jet flex is a cool video he also put out a video for finally which is on this project 
it's more celebratory just like the song itself is uh celebrating him finally getting money off his music we see him splitting money with his team and celebrating them and then he's giving money to like a homeless person and signing all these new deals and shit like that but then it also has like this reoccurring orchestra theme because the beat if you listen to the beat there's a lot of string instruments in it that you will hear from an orchestra so i was like oh this is cool he kind of paid homage to the lyrics but also paid homage to the production of the actual song by making sure that theme was in the video i thought that was dope it's a really really cool video turn it up also has a dope video it's simple you know a bunch of solo shots of him turning up and just doing all kind of weird dope like fun shit or whatever but then as the beat flips because there's like a breakdown in the middle and the beat kind of changes up it evolves into like this dope like green screen shots and doing all kind of things in the green screen shots that i'm like oh that would be kind of lit if this was like real but it's a cool video just him no people around i assume it was just him and a videographer in the room maybe one or two other people a stylist or whatever but just him on video turning up that's the name of the song turn it up <laughs> But yeah, Kochi's uh, project entitled The Inspection, I'm fucking with it. Also, Brent Fias, he dropped the album called Wastelands. I personally fuck with the project. I think it's really dope. It kind of gives me like the weekend vibes, like early weekend vibes, which Brent Fias is kind of always kind of did that with his music but this album in particular i feel like he kind of leans into it a little bit more not saying he's copying the weekend i'm just saying like the vibe of it the beats and everything the subject matter is kind of weekendy vibe but with like brent fias's personal touches on it. it's pretty dope in my opinion because i saw some people was like oh it's boring i don't fuck with it x y z that's y'all. <laughs> I fuck with the project. It features Alicia Keys, an artist by the name of Junie, not Tiana Taylor's daughter, but <laughs> just an artist named Junie, Trey Amani. And then he included Gravity on this project, which features Tyler, the creator and DJ Dahi. He also included Wasting Time, which includes a feature from Drake and the Neptunes on there. So feature list it's not like super long but if you listen to this project it works like it doesn't need to have a bunch of features on there these songs seem to be like really catered to and specific to brent fias and his particular sound and style of music so features may have not necessarily fit which is why they're not like super present but i'm cool with that when I wasn't necessarily cool with, there's no turn up or summertime anthems on here. But that's not a bad thing, right? Because me personally, the way I listen to music, I try to understand the artist and their art, what the project is supposed to do and how it's supposed to serve me and how they intend for me to listen to it and digest it, right? So this is an R&B project. Brent Fias doesn't necessarily make turn up music, so I didn't expect him to like have a bunch of shit on there that I could hear at a festival or whatever. But of course, you go to a concert that features Brent Fias or it is a Brent Fias concert. This music is going to sound perfect because he's an R&B artist and he's going to sing to us. <laughs> so I was OK with um, no turn up anthems or summertime anthems or just nothing that's like super bop heavy. Like the whole project is really just 
a cool like chill R&B vibe but I fuck with that dope beats some of them change you know I like beats that have little changes or breakdowns like um fuck you talking about or FYTB it changes a little bit to allow Junie to rap over it and then it goes back to what it was so that Brent Fias to continue to sing on the record the entire album is sequenced really well top to bottom like if you listen to it it sounds like a complete body of work and i really really like the skits and interludes on this album because it pushes the overall story of the album forward without you necessarily having to, to decipher what's going on in the music like if you just listen to the skits and then hear the music that follows it or precedes it you get it like oh there's a story being told and i really really appreciate that because i feel like personally that is where r&b starts to kind of lack and not necessarily die off but why people feel like r&b is not as prevalent as it was i feel like that because there's not really any like concept albums or albums that tell a specific story wastelands does that like from top to bottom <laughs> you hear it you start off he's a toxic fuck nigga and by the end of the album he done got into a car accident being a fuck nigga his girlfriend who is pregnant with his second child has committed suicide like there's a, <laughs> a lot that happens within these skits from the beginning of the album to the actual end of the album and the songs tie in perfectly to all of that so i'm really really impressed i'm really really fucking with this album i actually like it more than chris brown's project which chris brown kind of just gave us a whole bunch of songs collected together as an album which i don't mind because some of the songs are really dope and i fuck with them it's just a story album or a concept album is one that i feel like is missing from chris brown's catalog like we compare chris brown and usher all the time but confessions that album that story that it told that concept that it was pushing chris brown doesn't have anything that's really comparable to that not trying to make this about chris brown or usher because this is about brent fias <laughs> i'm just saying like bring back concept albums bring back storytelling albums because brent fias did a really good job telling a story and actually having a concept with this album despite you know some people feeling like they didn't like the album or whatever the case might be my favorite songs on the album loose change all mine price of fame ghetto gatsby featuring alicia keys which alicia kind of like raps on that i was like oh shit we didn't get singing alicia keys she was like rap spoken word poetry alicia keys i was like this shit is fire and um FYTB featuring Junior, I also like that record. This album also has made me come to terms with the fact that I might be a toxic individual. <laughs> I think that I think toxic as a label next to my name is in the realm of accuracy. <laughs> Just saying that because I've liked everything toxic that has hit my motherfucking earbuds over 2022. Like <laughs> Futures album that shit is toxic as fuck obviously toxic king here future drake's uh new project the one that everybody was like iffy about but now they really fucking with it i see how y'all flip y'all ain't low <laughs> um honestly never mind like 
toxic moments on there and I fuck with all of them. I'm not in a bad place as far as my mental or emotional state is concerned. I just really been vibing with the music and enjoying being outside. So I don't know. Toxic, I guess. But I fuck with uh, <laughs> Wastelands by Brent Fiaz is the name of the project. Also, I got a chance to check out Future's Holy Ghost video. Holy Ghost is one of my favorite songs on Future's I Never Liked You Anyway project. ATL Jacob fucking bodied that fucking beat. I love the beat for Holy Ghost. Future snapped on that shit. Video wasn't necessarily where I would have liked for it to be. It's cool or whatever, but it's Future basically just hanging out in the Miami little havana which has its own like you know trap and street history or whatever but he just hanging out with a bunch of people who live in little havana like just kicking it and rapping his song to the cameras no like storyline there no plot just him walking around little havana saying what's up to the people playing dominoes and shit like and i was like okay what is this video supposed to serve but there's a small like quick I want to say two seconds scene in the video where the time changes from 7-11 to 7-12. And that made me feel like this video might be simple like this because it is like a first chapter or a prologue to another video for 7-12, which 7-12 is the very first song on Future's I Never Liked You Anyway project. I love that song as well. So seeing them mention 7-12, in this Holy Ghost video, I'm like, oh, maybe this is, you know, a gateway video <laughs> to 712 and we about to turn up on 712. Who knows? But I hope that's what they do because this video just it was cool to me. Nothing special. But 712 is also a lit ass song. So I'm hoping that Future finds a way to do something cinematic now that he is, you know, kind of put us on notice by putting that specific time in this video but that is it for the playlist this particular blurred cast episode let's jam one more time real quick and then slide over into the watch list so we can discuss all the things i've been watching since the last blurred cast what's between my legs you didn't know that it could get you hooked like that straight crack i'm telling you it's crack wanna use crack pure smile Starting with a quick trailer review for Issa Rae's rap shit that is supposed to be streaming on HBO Max starting July 21st. I'm really excited for this. The trailer looks dope. The show looks kind of funny. But outside of that, I'm really intrigued by anything that takes music and really chronicles a come up story like from start to superstardom. Like I'm really interested in stuff like that reminds me of entourage a little bit but you know the Issa Rae black girl magic version of it and I'm all the way here for that because entourage is one of my favorite HBO series to this day <laughs> so Issa Rae coming out with rap shit getting the city girls the executive producer with her because the characters are from Miami and the whole Miami music scene is the focus of this particular show. I'm really, really like ready for this. So 
when that shit drops July 21st, oh, I might not be able to watch it because I'll be heading down to Miami for Rolling Loud. But I'm going to definitely check it out before I have to upload another episode of this here talk of play Blurry Castle. You know, if you're an Issa Rae fan like myself, make sure you check back in to future episodes of the talk and play blurry cast you can hear me review episode by episode this new series entitled rap shit but what i've been watching i got a chance to check out heart to heart which is kevin hart's interview show on the peacock streaming service it is currently in its second season and episode two Feature Jay-Z. Now, this is the actual first episode that I've watched in its entirety. Um, I don't know if y'all remember, but <laughs> there was a viral moment that happened, I want to say a few months ago, maybe last year, when Kevin Hart was interviewing Don Cheadle and Don Cheadle mentioned his age and Kevin Hart was like, damn, you remember that? <laughs> well, this, this is where that particular viral moment comes from, this heart-to-heart interview show starring kevin hart on the peacock streaming app this particular conversation with jay-z though i ate it up <laughs> i watched that shit from front to back rewind some parts because jay-z was really dropping like knowledge just things that have my brain like all the way tuned in he tends to do that sometimes i love hearing jay-z talk he's a great conversationalist he really knows how to articulate himself his stories are always very intriguing and engaging and the jewels he tends to drop are always like second to none like i really fuck with jay-z just as a person let alone an artist and a businessman like as a person seeing the growth hearing the growth seeing all of the business moves and activism digesting the art like Jay-Z is one of those people that's very, very aspirational. And I really appreciate him for that. They had a dope conversation. Kevin was intentionally trying to ask him questions that you wouldn't normally hear in a Jay-Z interview, like things dealing with how he views himself as a creative and as a businessman and, you know, how he feels about his accomplishments and what it's like to be in a day and age of social media and either feel like you're a part of it or not like he asked a bunch of questions and i thought really good questions and thought out questions and jay-z answered them just as great like this was a really really solid interview i really like that jay-z mentioned in the interview that he's being intentional on using himself to be an inspiration and an uplifter and a bridge for the culture to get us all to a place where, you know what I'm saying, we could thrive and be successful. He said that he takes a lot of inspiration with that from Muhammad Ali, just watching him box when he was a kid. He understood how confident Ali was and how he was always moving with the intention of representing black people and trying to make sure that we have a fair shake in this world. And he says he wants to kind of continue that legacy by doing his own certain things, which is why we see you know, deals with the NFL come along and him and his police reform stuff. Like it's really, really dope what Jay-Z has in mind and what he is doing with everything that he's created for himself. I could tell though that Kevin got a little drunk. He was a little drunk or he, maybe he hit the blunt or whatever before he started talking to Jay-Z because like he was responding to Jay-Z in a way that didn't necessarily line up with the last statement that Jay-Z had made, but he was finding ways to try to like connect 
things and simplify things in a way that I guess made sense, even though it didn't necessarily need it. But I could just tell like he was really anxious or antsy and just <laughs> excited to have his friend on because I could definitely tell their friends like they might not talk to each other every day because, you know, busy. But both of them were very, very upfront and honest about mentioning the fact that they've had a lot of conversations behind the scenes that have allowed them to foster an actual friendship between one another so i really thought that was dope because they do things to help each other out and look out for one another this interview being one thing jay-z was you know not or is not a person that typically does interviews or whatever he speaks when he feels like he's compelled to speak whenever he wants to speak he does Kevin Hart said, I had to ask you to do this favor. Jay-Z obliged with no issue whatsoever. You know, obviously to help the ratings for the show and stuff like that. So that was really dope to see. If you have Peacock or if you haven't utilized the free trial or whatever the case might be, definitely go log in. Check that out. The interview is about 49, 50 minutes long, something like that. He even had Kevin's personal <laughs> like wine, liquor connoisseur dude coming out pouring up drinks for Kevin and Jay-Z and giving these really, really dope in-depth explanation of what it is they're about to drink. Like that was cool, especially with the set being set <laughs> in a wine cellar. Like it was dope. It's a dope like series and show. I scrolled through the other people that he's interviewed. Definitely some interviews I plan on going back to check out or whatever, but I only got a chance to watch the Jay-Z one thus far. I'm fucking with it. Definitely going to be adding heart to heart to my regular watch because that shit is good. I really like the questions that Kevin Hart was posing. I really like the way Jay-Z was answering them. I'm really, I'm really interested to see what he's asking these other people that I saw that I want to uh, check out or whatever. Moving along, though, I got an opportunity. <laughs> I got an opportunity. I went to go fucking see Thor Love and Thunder. Obviously... I saw it in 3D. I really liked the movie. Let's just start there. I liked the movie. I saw, you know, certain criticisms of it. It is what it is. I don't subscribe. I like the movie. <laughs> like I said, saw it in 3D. That made so much of a difference for me, especially in those fight scenes or whatever. I really like the way Marvel does 3D movies. I just do. Of course, it's superhero, so there's always going to be some element of CGI, special effects and all that other shit. A 3D really, really emphasizes all of that shit and makes it look amazing. So this is my <laughs> plea to you. If you watch Marvel movies in the theaters, just pay the extra money for the 3D. You won't be disappointed. It don't hurt your eyes. It don't give you a headache. All this other shit like people think like that's old 3D technology. We in the new the real D 3D. That shit is fire and it does not fuck with your brain and <laughs> your eyes at all. I enjoyed it, but the movie itself was very funny. It was low key a romantic comedy. Now, like <laughs> I'm looking at it, and I was like, all right, there's a lot of lot of LOLs in here. I was really, really, <laughs> really, really enjoying the screaming goats. That shit had me rolling every time they popped on the screen because they was literally screaming <laughs> every time they came on the screen. And then this whole love triangle between Thor. Mjolnir, which is the hammer that we are accustomed to seeing throw with, and then Stormbreaker, which is the axe that he had to forge after Mjolnir was destroyed by Hela in Ragnarok. 
there's this really funny like triangle happening because Thor can talk to his weapons and they talk back. You don't ever hear them speak back, but you know, they have a psychic god link or whatever the case might be. <laughs> and once Thor seen Mjolnir pop up with Mighty Thor, who is Jane Foster. Spoilers, by the way. Sorry about this, but it is what it is. <laughs> you see um, him like, well, hey, what's going on? I didn't know you was back, you know, in, in one piece because Mjolnir got destroyed into like a bunch of pieces. But Jane was able to make them bitches reassemble <laughs> and take on the role of Thor as Mighty Thor. But then Thor is like trying to <laughs> co-host Milner into being his weapon again. And the Stormbreaker is like jealous about it, <laughs> like doing a little funny shit, like making him fly weird and fucking up the Bifrost so they can't get where they were trying to go. And like slowly coming in on screen, looking at him crazy. Like you just going to keep talking to this fucking hammer while I'm floating right here. <laughs> like it's funny that, this is all a part of the Thor zeitgeist, but it's really uh, interesting and it made for some really, really funny moments within the movie. I'm glad we got to see a little bit more of Thor with the Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't know if we'll be able to get like super into that whole run that Thor had with them because of the way the MCU was set up. But anytime we can see... <laughs> Thor interacting with the Guardians, acting like he's the captain of the Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> is going to be a good time. I really enjoyed that. We got to see Heimdall's son in the movie, which is dope because he played a really, really important role to the story. And if you know anything about the MCU, or if you've just been paying attention, like black men don't really get a opportunity to lead things or be important to the story of course we have black panther and then now we have captain america sam wilson but it's like we don't necessarily get to be like super important to the stories or whatever i'm glad things are changing now because those two titles that i mentioned those are more along the lines of current day mcu but um seeing Hamdo's son played such an important role in the story or whatever. I thought that was like really, really dope. Even to the point where they kind of spoke to like a social issue or whatever, because Hamdo's son was named, I think, Astrid. And in this movie, he was like, No, my name is Axel now. And Thor was like, Your dad named you Astrid. He's one of my best friends. I'm not going against that. Like, your name is Astrid to me. And then um valkyrie was like just call the damn boy astrid it doesn't fucking matter he wants to be called no axel if he wants to be called axel just call him fucking axel and throw was like fine your name's axel how do we save you <laughs> like stuff like that is like really really cool when marvel does it because obviously they're speaking to you know like labels and what people want to be referred to you know he she the or they, <laughs> he, she, they, we, all this, you know, the pronouns and things like that. I really thought that it was dope that they found like a funny way to kind of like tie that social issue. It's not necessarily an issue, but that social commentary in, but like make it Marvel because that's what I picked up on as soon as, <laughs> soon as it hit the screen, I was like, oh, he's disrespecting this person's pronoun and they're sticking up for themselves. And then, 
He just was like, fuck it. It's a name. That's what you want to be called. It doesn't hurt me or anybody else in any way to refer to you however you want to be referred to. So you're telling me your name's Axel. Okay, I'm going to let it be Axel. How can we help you? (laughs) I'm glad that he didn't put up like a super fight against that and just called the boy Axel because it could have been something where throughout the entire fucking movie, he just keeps referring to this boy as Astrid and he keeps telling him my name is Axel I ain't really necessarily want to see that I'm glad Thor was just like it's just a name it don't hurt me don't hurt you doesn't hurt anybody it's what you want I fuck with you as a person you're my best friend's son so even though I'd rather honor his wishes I'm gonna honor yours because I care about you too like I fuck with stuff like that my only criticism I guess or the main one at this point right because I only seen the movie one time I might see it again but I probably won't which that might be saying something about the quality of the movie. I enjoyed the movie. I thought it was really good, but it's not calling me to see it again. If that makes sense. Maybe when it comes on Disney plus, I'll watch it again just to like experience it one more time, but I'm good with my one time theater experience. It's as of now anyway. Um, so the criticism that I have for the biggest one is that it wasn't rated R. Like I feel like Thor deserved for this particular movie to be rated R just because kids are not necessarily the target with these movies anymore. Like we in the MCU, this is supposed to be Marvel bringing their characters to life and trying to relate them to us as humans (laughs) and real people as much as possible. And with that being said, I really would just like for them to fully step into that. Like the MCU is a variant or a version of these Marvel stories that is geared more towards adults. Like if you want to do something or if you want your kids to be able to have something that's geared towards them, there's plenty of stuff on Disney Plus that is Marvel, it's cartoon, it's G PG at the most like that you can have them watch I think the movies I think it's time for them to be more for the adults the comic books are shifting more towards the adults like let let us just have the movies too (laughs) and get enough cartoon and toys and merchandise that are specific for kids like I don't know why they just didn't do a rated R (laughs) though I really thought it would have been dope especially because like I said, this one's low key, like a romantic comedy. There's this pretty cool montage of Thor and Jane, like falling in love. And we get to see how their relationship plays out and how it went from perfect and love and bliss to you're barely here. And I feel lonely and I think we need to break up. But in that montage, we didn't get <laughs> what you would expect from adults, which is sex. <laughs> we didn't get no sex scenes. We didn't get no barely any kissing. I don't think I even remember seeing them lock lips at all outside of that one scene that was on the the uh, the boat or whatever as they was flying through space trying to get to the shadow earth or realm or whatever the fuck it was where the God Butcher was at. That's another thing. The God Butcher He's a very, very dark and menacing character. And even though I feel like the character was dope and the actor did an amazing job portraying him, it's just like because this movie was not rated R, his story wasn't like all the way fleshed out as dark as it could be. We didn't really get to see him kill 
too much other gods in like a really <laughs> heinous way. And like, I don't know. I feel like dealing with gore and where they had his story set, it could have been way darker. It could have been way more scary. It could have made it a little bit of horror like they kind of did for Scarlet Witch in the Multiverse of Madness. But they didn't do that. I know different directors and stuff like that. So it is what it is. I just wish they would have said, you know what? It's Thor. Jane's going to be here. Jane is in the movie, like, fawning over Thor's body. There's a scene where Zeus, you know, snaps and blows all of Thor's clothes away. So we see his ass on screen for an extended period of time, like his naked ass on screen. We see his abs and all that upper body shit, just nude and then naked. <laughs> so it's just like, okay, why do we not see <laughs> Jane and Thor be a little bit more sexual towards one another. This is a comedy, yes, in a sense, anyway. But there's also that level of romance there. Like, <laughs> like I said, Thor is in a love triangle with his weapons. <laughs> and then we have Gronk, who's talking about how mating works on his home planet of species of people where he comes from and how they make kids and shit like that. You know, Valkyrie is doing her thing or whatever. Like, why didn't we go a little bit further with the realness of what Thor and Jane's love for each other should look like? This my opinion. Or with the darkness of how destructive Gore is and how much of a threat he actually is. Like, Gore didn't really seem much like a threat to me in this movie. I just felt like it was Thor saying like you know what this guy needs to be stopped because he could kill me next like he's a god killer he has a weapon that can literally kill god so we kind of need to stop him and Gore was like i'm on my own shit i <laughs> got my own thing going on if you can stop me bitch come do it but i'm doing my own thing it was never gore like hunting them you know what i'm saying like of course he was trying to hunt thor because thor had what he needs to get to where he wanted to go but it was like the gods never really were in like any danger because Gore was like actively searching for something else and just killing gods along the way, trying to get it, who opposed him. Them being on that planet that's supposed to be like the MCU's version of Olympus or whatever, they were like safe and fine there. Which is why when Zeus was telling Thor, like, you should just stay here. And was trying to actually keep him there. Had him chained up and shit. I was like that actually kind of makes sense. He knows what Gore needs. In order to make his nefarious plan happen. And keeping Thor here. Would pretty much just. Ensure that would happen. Because nobody except for the gods. Know where this god planet is. And you'd have been fine there. But it is what it is. I really enjoyed. That entire. Scene because we got to see other gods that you know we're accustomed to you know zeus and i think hera made an appearance and Hephaestus. i think i saw a bunch of other gods that we know from like greek and roman mythology and stuff like that so that was dope the post-credit scene was pretty dope we got to actually see idris elba reprise his role as heimdall as he welcomes jane foster into Valhalla, which is the god heaven 
that gods go to when they die an honorable death. So that was dope to see that Jane, you know, even though she lost her battle with cancer or whatever, she still made it to Valhalla and Heimdall was also there. That was dope. And then the after after credit scenes, like once you let all the black and white credits roll past or whatever, that was dope, too, because we thought Thor killed Zeus, but apparently Zeus is still alive and he's pissed about the fact that Thor stole his Thunderbolt weapon, tried to kill him and made a mockery of <laughs> the gods and he's upset that humans don't worship the gods like they used to or whatever so he's sending his son hercules to go track thor down and whoop some ass so obviously thor is going to be returning that is what they said at the end of that post credit scene thor will return in the mcu so can't wait to see that it's going to be an epic battle scene thor son of odin fight hercules son of zeus and whenever that happens, I'm going to be in the theater watching it <laughs> in 3D. <laughs> but yeah, Thor Love and Thunder, it's a good movie. I really fuck with it. I know some people didn't necessarily care for it or whatever, but I did. I fuck with it. Moving along, we have, what is this? The Boys, episode eight, which is the finale for season three. Episode titled The Instant White Hot Wild, which don't necessarily know how that ties in. Maybe I need to watch it again to understand. But either way, dope episode, dope ending to season three. Um, I found it <laughs> a little scary and a little interesting that Soldier Boy and Homelander wanted to kind of team up and do the whole family thing. That was an interesting plot twist to me because both of them seem to have you know some kind of daddy issues or whatever the case might be so soldier boy finding out that homelander is his son homelander finding out that soldier boy is his dad it was like okay so we're trying to use soldier boy to kill homelander but now this nigga having second thoughts because he found out that his dna is what created homelander and then homelander finding out and he was like i've been looking for a dad my entire existence and now i actually have one that's like dna proven to be mine and then i have a son who i want to meet his grandfather <laughs> like it was a very very interesting dynamic it got a little shifty i was like oh wait a minute are we trying to kill homelander <laughs> not bring the motherfuckers together to be one big happy family but um you know if you watch the boys like i do then you know how that turned out um i really really appreciated mave like finally sticking up for herself and like fighting homelander like putting fist to jaw with that motherfucker because he deserved to get his ass whooped i know mave is not necessarily strong enough to beat homelander but all the training she was doing, it paid off. That little laser eye shit that he be slicing through everybody with, it wasn't working on her. She was able to craft the weapons to deflect it as well, even though it didn't penetrate her skin. So I don't understand why she needed the weapons. But still, <clears throat> I get all of that. Um, she lost the eye, which was fucked up. But she did take Homelander's hearing away when she stabbed him in the ear with that fucking chopstick or whatever the fuck it was that she stuck squaring his eardrum had him bleeding crazy i was happy to see that <laughs> always happy to see homelander get his ass whooped i was happy to see butcher and huey 
and Soldier Boy team up last episode to beat his ass. Like anytime Homelander getting his ass whooped, I'm fucking with it. <laughs> Speaking of Huey though, I'm glad that he took him and Starlight's conversation to heart because of course she ended up having to tell him that the temp V was going to end up fucking his brain up if he keeps taking, you know, any more doses of it. But he was really considering it when Homelander was about to kill her. But instead, he said, you know what? We had this conversation. She doesn't want to be saved. She just wants me to be mindful and protect myself and to be, you know, what I'm saying a little bit more brain instead of bronze. So. He put the temp V down and he realized, oh, wait, they're in a production studio. It's tons of light. If all I got to do is turn these bitches up to their highest power and it will raise her power exponentially. It did. Was it enough to defeat Homelander? No, but it definitely stopped him from killing her. And that bought them all the time they needed enough to like start putting hands on this nigga. <laughs> Cause she knocked him back pretty far. Like she, she got a nice lick in with her abilities because of what Huey did, but it also left her a little drain. So of course everybody else had to step in before <laughs> Homelander got up and was like, bitch, you just put your hands on me. I need to uh, snap your neck now. <laughs> so kudos to Huey. Um, I should have known though that Black Noir was going to die, but either way, I wanted to see a little bit more of his character. It really seemed like season one and two, he was just like a background character, just a extra piece of the puzzle to kind of spice the show up, but he didn't really have a purpose. And then they just kind of threw him a purpose towards the end of season three, which I don't know how I feel about that because he was like... <laughs> A black character, but like people didn't really know he was black because he always wear his costume and his helmet over his face and shit like that. Except for Homelander. Homelander used his little x-ray vision to see through all of that shit or whatever. So he knew Black Noir was black and he appreciated him for what he brought to the table and looked at him as like a brother and one of the few people who would turn his back on him. But he ended up having to kill him because Black Noir knew that soldier boy was used to create homelander which made homelander be like you didn't tell me about my father so now you have to die that was whack to me <laughs> it just was i would at least would have appreciated black noir being able to team up with huey and the gang and like really fight homelander and like have a fair shake at it versus homelander just throwing a temper tantrum in their private quarters and deciding to rip his heart out his chest like I don't know. I, I didn't really fuck with that, especially we just getting to learn about um, Black Noir and, you know, his mental conditions and what he had to go through in order to be where he is. Like, I want to see that story fleshed out a little bit more, especially with a train's redemption starting to happen in this season, which we'll probably see more of in season four. I wanted to see how a train wanted to reconnect with his blackness and be a symbol or a beacon of hope for black people. I want to see how that was going to translate once he started to understand noir better and actually realize like, oh, you're a black man under that costume. You like to be like teaming up with me or whatever so we can like rep for the community or whatever. But Homelander took that away. But we also know that it's very, very hard to kill these fucking uh, soups or whatever you've seen that even though Maeve risked her life to stop 
soldier boy from going nuclear on that building or whatever of course she lost her power but she didn't die like her arm was a little bit fucked up of course she had to get the patch over the eye because homelander gashed one of her eyes out but she ain't die also a train didn't die his heart literally stopped functioning because you know he was running too much and his heart couldn't take it or running too fast and his heart couldn't take it but he didn't die they just put the other boy heart in him and he back better than ever not because he has a superhero heart so he can run for days and days and days at a crazy levels of speed and be fine so maybe black noir will be able to come back and have some other part in season four but as of now homelander killed him which like i said whack <laughs> but i'm glad milk is starting to get some closure with the whole soldier boy situation like he's having conversations with everybody individually about what that means for him and he's starting to kind of come to terms with the fact that these things happened and that he's okay to move on from them he's been letting his daughter into the history of his family and why he does the things he does and why he acts out the way he does and i feel like that was dope to see especially milk's a black man his daughter's a black woman or black girl because she's still a teenager i don't know her age but it was dope seeing that black family dynamic take place and then them open up a little bit or him open up a little bit to include his daughter on his trials and tribulations so that she's not in the dark as to why he is the way he is and why he's not around as frequently as he would like to be that even kind of sheds some light as to why his relationship didn't work out with her mom so like it was really therapeutic for both of them more so milk but i'm glad he included his daughter in on that because she did need to know i forgot who told him to tell her was it Frenchie or was it Starlight? I forgot who told him to tell her, but like that was a good call because she did need to know. The last scene though was like very, very eye-opening though. I caught or at least I interpreted it as like a little metaphor. I'm speaking about the scene where Homelander introduces the general public to his son or whatever, and then somebody who is not a Homelander fan shows up to try to like protest, throw something at Homelander's son and Homelander immediately <laughs> frosts this nigga with his eye laser beams, blew up his entire body, blood splattered across all his supporters. And they were just like shocked at first, but eventually they were like, yes, this is what we need from our superheroes. Like, don't let nobody fuck with y'all. It was metaphorically to me, a sign of how this country speaking about America or the U.S., rewards the behaviors of destructive white men. <laughs> like, I just took that as a metaphor for that because, nigga, what? He blew up somebody for throwing what, I don't know what that was, an empty soda can? I don't know what it was, but it was light. The boy wasn't hurt. And you know why people don't fuck with you. But, of course, anger issues laser that man to death and your supporters like cheered you on and that's the kind of behavior that has built the u.s into the country that it is now just supporting people who do wild and fucked up shit just because we like them and we like what they stand for and if we had their kind of power and ability and shit we would do the same thing like i don't fuck with that 
just in the real world. So seeing it on the show, I was like, I see what y'all doing. Hopefully people pick up on it. But, you know, it's just TV or art reflecting real life. So, of course, it might just go unnoticed, but I caught that shit. Victoria, though, being selected to run for VP. That was a shock. I was like, wait a minute, because I kind of thought she was kind of like fading back a little bit with the downfall of Vought and her like being excommunicated from the company and shit. But no, she was working other political strings behind the scenes. And now she's going to be running for vice president or she was selected as the running mate for the next person running for president who was going to be, you know, the talking point or the focus of season four. So. That was very, very interesting. And it did make me it did make me quite excited to see how season four is gonna play out because she is one of the people who can also kill Homelander with her abilities. You know, we found out some things about Victoria in this season that threatens pretty much everybody. So I'm really, really excited to see what happens in uh season four. Overall, season three was pretty dope. I really enjoyed it. It was one of the series that you know it came out on friday i believe and i was watching it on a friday <laughs> like i was very very in tune with the boys i really can't wait to see what happens in season four because that final episode of season three it left it left a little intrigue there it did not a whole bunch it wasn't like a super huge cliffhanger but it was cliffhangery enough to keep me interested <laughs> Outside of that, though, Miss Marvel also had her season finale, episode six, entitled No Normal Premiere over the past Wednesday. It was a really good season finale. It might be the series finale. I'm not sure how <laughs> Disney Plus and Marvel are going to work out more seasons of these like six episode series or whatever, if, if they want to do more seasons. But it was a good ending. I really think that this particular ending kind of catapulted miss marvel into being like one of the top tier disney plus marvel shows but i'll get into that at the end when we get to it <laughs> um i didn't expect her mom to gift her her mcu suit like that kind of caught me left field i'm like you started off being this like super strict mom and always looking down on your daughter and now you giving her her like mcu costume and that shit is like super tailor-made like how does she make that who made it for her and how does she get the money <laughs> to do it like you see the suit for kamala khan on episode six like i don't think a parent would go through those or go to those links to make sure that suit was looking that fucking fire but it is what it is i'm not hating i was just like caught off guard a little bit because i just expected somebody with a little bit more resources, <laughs> a little bit more resources geared towards superheroes to give Kamala a super suit, not just her regular everyday mom. But it is what it is. I was shaking my head, though, <laughs> at the teen drama trope that they decided to just casually carry on into Miss Marvel, which is two main characters having a kissing scene in the middle of an intense battle or situation i'm like people they are shooting like real guns real bullets at you they shooting guns you never seen these things were shooting like sound waves and light waves and all kind of shit i'm like why are y'all stopping right now to share a kiss <laughs> i was like that part of the show that part of the episode really i was like come on now 
We can't get away from this, huh? There has to be some moment where everybody's under pressure and y'all just take two seconds to lock lips. Like, what the fuck is that? Gratefully, though, (laughs) I say gratefully because I appreciated this. Bruno stepped in real quick and was like, hey, I got this for you, X, Y, and Z. He ruined their moment is what he did. But I was glad because I'm like, bro, y'all got all this heat outside. Like, y'all don't need to be kissing right now. Y'all need to be figuring out how to make it out of this shit alive. But <laughs> that was just me. I, I just really don't like that. When there's intense scenes and battles happening and the two characters that are in the midst of it, they take time to be romantic with one another. Like, can we focus on not dying first? Like, God damn. But outside of that, <laughs> I really enjoy episode six. The music um, that they use for distractions and that like high school scene where, you know, they have barricaded themselves in the school and uh, what is they called? The damage control people showed up shooting at them and shit. And they got on social media from their phones and was like, y'all pull up. They trying to kill us or whatever. They had some dope music playing in there to distract the folks. That shit was fire. The music for the entire show, actually, since we own it, like really, really dope job. I really appreciate it. All of this like Middle Eastern music or Middle Eastern influence music kind of merging together with, you know, what I'm saying the U.S. Western culture, New Jersey music and shit like that. Like that was dope. Like that entire soundtrack, top notch, favorite score, favorite soundtrack of any MCU show thus far. Like I was jamming the whole season. I'm like, this shit sound good as fuck. Made me really like look into some of these Middle Eastern style artists or whatever to like get a better sense of understanding of the music. And a lot of the shows haven't been doing that. It's just been, you know, typical run of the meal music, but they really did their shit with the music in this series. The entire series had dope music just throughout. Something else that caught me off guard, though, I didn't really see Kamran becoming an anti-hero. Like, I expected him to be mad about, you know, what happened to his mom and everything, but I didn't expect him to, like, <laughs> go on a rampage and have the quality control. They were shooting real bullets at these kids. That also threw me off. I didn't mean to just cut myself off like that. But I was just like, damn, why the fuck are they shooting real guns at these children? But I don't know. Marvel, Disney, what was that? <laughs> Either way, like I said, I didn't expect for Kamran to become like an anti-hero, whatever the case might be. But this little white lady, <laughs> wasn't it Alicia or Alicia Rayner? who's been typecast into these <laughs> like villain roles or whatever like i need to see this lady act in another capacity but she kills her roles she did find in this particular series as well it's just i'm starting to notice like everything she's in she's an anti or an antagonist <laughs> so like damn i didn't know white women can get typecasted like that <laughs> but it is what it is um kamala finally got her like in big informed or at least named it or whatever the case might be that shit was dope because it lines up more with her comic book um persona and comic book powers and shit like that i was like i was happy to see that they like kind of kept some of her core power aesthetics even though we took like a different turn with the way her powers show up visually and how they manifest it for this particular MCU show. So that was cool. But also something that threw me off, like 
she was telling Cameron, you need to get out of here and escape from the harbor. This is when she had the little dome up with her powers and they were like shooting and trying to get in. Then she like punched the ground and a hole just kind of fell and it was big enough for Cameron to crawl through and actually get to the harbor. I was like, what? What? Y'all are not around water, at least from what I could see. And how did you punch a hole that failed like that and was able to support a person crawling through it and ending up at a harbor? I was like, all right, now y'all taking this <laughs> this superhero artistic license a little bit too far because there is clearly no water around this particular area where they at and how she punched a hole and that shit just kind of just caved in and was big enough for a human to fit through and scurry all the way to the harbor i was like all right yeah that one i wasn't fucking with that <laughs> that was weird to me also i was expecting when kamala called red dagger i was expecting him to pull up and actually help them fight but no nah, he just met Kamran for lunch at the little harbor spot that that he ended up crawling over to i don't know <laughs> it was weird but i guess i'll just overlook it because like i said i enjoyed this episode the entire series as a whole was really good so i'll let that slide i guess but i think it was dope how they also included like an origin for uh kamala's like miss marvel name or whatever like her dad sat out there and talked to her and told her that kamala in their culture means marvel and then he called her his little miss marvel or whatever and then she was like i like that name and that's how we got miss marvel i thought that that was just dope just because it added a little bit more of a sentimental flair to the tv show itself and then to the character and her namesake and everything like that i thought it was dope but what i really thought was dope was the very very end when bruno basically tells kamala like you know even though she has these mystical powers tied to the seek and everything like that that her genes are also mutated she has the mutant gene pretty much which further opens up the gates for the x-men to come into the mcu you remember we saw professor xavier in multiverse of madness and when he came on the scene they played you know a little snippet of the x-men you know instrumental that famous theme music that always plays with the x-men or whatever they did the same thing when bruno was explaining to uh kamala that she has a mutant gene they played the little x-men music i was like oh shit it's really happening <laughs> like they about to put the x-men in the mcu in a real way and i really fuck with that i saw some people were like a little you know iffy about it because in the comics miss marvel is actually an inhuman she's not an x-men but at the end of the day Marvel is using the MCU as like a variant story to all of the stories that they've told in the comic books and in the cartoons and shit like it's its own like universe of Marvel. So they can kind of take the characters wherever they want to really and not necessarily have to be guided or dictated by the stories told in the comic books because that's just how I look at it in the comic books that is one universe the comic book universe is its own thing the cartoon universe is its own thing and then here's the movie universe is its own thing 
multiverse of madness <laughs> got all these cartoons and comic books and movies all trying to tell stories for these very specific characters but they're doing it in their own way based on whichever universe they're a part of so i'm looking at it i'm like you know it is what it is and then if you know anything about the inhumans the inhumans they are mutants kind of they just not like the traditional mutants we used to like x-men and stuff like that they are humans that have a mutant gene that only activates on a certain like occurrence to like give them their powers or whatever they're not out the womb like most mutants are and just having these powers they are a subcategory if you will of mutants whose mutant genes and powers activate differently from a normal mutant so yes it's not like super comic book accurate, but it does make sense to the story. And once the X-Men get officially put into the MCU or whatever, I'm sure we'll start to see the Inhumans resurface and maybe reclaim Kamala or whatever the case might be. Because the Inhumans also had a TV series on Hulu. I don't know why it didn't last very long, but it is a Marvel property. So that means it can always come back, especially now that they have the Disney bag secured. So... Everybody who was tripping about, you know, that particular scene, the mutant gene, all this other shit, like just hold off. Marvel is still cooking. We might get our Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel in the fucking Inhumans. But what we know for certain is going to come Captain Marvel and the Marvels, which will be her, Miss Marvel and Monica Rambo, because Captain Marvel made her appearance finally at the post credit scenes of the motherfucking episode six for Miss Marvel. And that's going to be dope trying to figure out how that all ties into the movie because that little bangle thing transported Kamala somewhere else. And then Carol Danvers popped up in her place and we was like, damn, what the fuck going on here? Then they hit us with the little title card. Miss Marvel will return in the Marvels. Obviously, like I said, Carol Danvers, Monica Rambo will also be a part of this movie. It's going to be dope. I'm really, really looking forward to it. I hope that this is Monica Rambo finally being acknowledged as the new Captain Marvel or a Captain Marvel. And, you know, Carol Danvers kind of passing the torch along or whatever the case might be. Like, I'm really excited for all of the possibilities that like the last 15 minutes of this entire series left open just by way of the end scene and then the post credit scene like we about to be lit coming up in these next couple of projects in the fire <laughs> in this phase of the ncu but yeah like i said overall really enjoyed the series it was a fun watch with a very very endearing story i didn't mind the changes that they made to kamala's powers at all it actually really worked out for her and the story that they was trying to tell i really enjoyed learning stuff about you know, the Pakistani people and Muslim culture and the partition that they had to go through and everything like that. Like this is a culture shock for me, kind of, because I didn't know much or anything about that entire, you know, world history defining moment. So it was really dope that I got uh, at least a Marvel Disney lens on it. I know it was probably a lot more gruesome and a lot more hardship happening during that particular time, but just them having it in this story made me research and want to know more so that was really dope like i said the music 
was amazing probably the best <laughs> of any mcu disney plus series thus far and i really love that they were using her story towards the end as like a catalyst for the next captain marvel movie and you know the x-men's and possibly the inhumans showing up in a current phase or the later phase of the mcu outside of that though pulling over to anime corner really really fast spy family the latest episode of the dub version of the show because y'all know i fuck with dubs <laughs> over everything <laughs> uh it came out i think it was either episode 12 or 13 either way it was episode where twilight realized that you know that he might have been fucking up his cover by going on all of these side missions and leaving the people in his building to kind of question if their marriage and family is like legitimate <laughs> the women were saying that he's cheating on her they wasn't ever never worried about <laughs> if the family was real or fake but it was a funny episode as it tends to be. I really, really like Spy Family. Like something about it is like super endearing. I like all of this <laughs> comedy moments. Twilight is hilarious. He needs a break. My dog been going on all these like side missions or whatever. He was dead tired at that fucking aquarium. But he was like, I got to be a family man to, you know, make sure my cover is not blown this is a super important mission and he pulled it out it was just like damn my dog need a rest but he said that though he was like after this i'm going to tell hq that i'm filing a complaint because i need at least a month to <laughs> to just recover before i keep taking on all these extra side missions but i'm really enjoying the anime anya's reactions and how she you know utilizes her mind control is very very funny at some points and it's endearing at other points i wonder how long it's going to take before either twilight or your realizes that anya can read minds and they act on it or whatever i'm really enjoying this particular anime though i'm still watching Spreegan. that is really good too and i also started i think the show is called bastard i think it's called bastard or bastard i don't know how they pronounce it but those two are on Netflix. Those are good as well. Just haven't delved into them as much as I would like to. But more on that on a future episode of the Talk and Play Blurcast because that is it for this particular Blurcast. Uh, remember, I am B R I A N S A P P H on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok if you want to do that. And don't forget, check me out on the NRW checkpoint with the homie Webster Style. And I will catch you all on the next episode of the Talk and Play Blurcast. <laughs>